0: Welcome to Bucks Insider presented by Verizon. Casey Phillips here, senior writer and editor Scott Smith. And it is finally football weather here in Florida. I'm going to pretend it's going to last till Sunday (laughs) where we can wear this kind of gear. It's not supposed to. Don't kill my joy. Don't kill my hope. For everybody that's living in the Tampa area, you know what I'm talking about (laughs) right now. It finally feels like football weather outside. We're going to hope it stays here. But, uh, man, I know uh, this last week. Definitely not the outcome the team was hoping for. And now with the Panthers coming in, I mean, that's going to be an incredibly important game in terms of now everything is about these division games for the most part. But what are some of the big takeaways from this Colts game that you feel like the team can learn from and apply to these next games, knowing how basically every every game now is so crucial?
1: I think my takeaway is probably pretty similar to players, coaches and fans. It, it's it's frustrating it, because every game I feel like the Buccaneers are making progress in certain areas that should turn this losing streak around, but then something else happens that's not good. So for instance, Bucks ran the ball great in that game. That's been a problem for the Bucks all year not being able to run the ball efficiently. Uh, 125 yards, 6.6 yards per carry. They play great third down defense. Two of 11. those are two of the major problems that the Buccaneers were experiencing early in the season. You resolve those and you think, okay, now we're going to get the results we want. But then other stuff happens, like now you're struggling to score points in the red zone, things like that. It just, this is, when you hear Coach Bowles talk after a game or on Monday, it's, this is what he's talking about when he says it's, it's just something different all the time. And they don't understand, it's hard to understand because when they practice, they do fine. And then in the games, one person here, one person there does the wrong thing and it doesn't work out. And so... This is still a team that totally believes, you can tell after every game, even after the losses in the locker room, this is a team that totally believes that it can win every game, but it's just not getting it done. So, you know, it's still out there in front of them. It it feels weird to say they're only a game out of first. I mean, you don't like to keep saying that after every loss, but it's true. They're only a game out of first and there's six games to go, including four against division opponents, including two against the one ten Panthers starting this week. So it's all still in front of the Buccaneers. But at the moment, I think there's a lot of frustration that they can't get it all right on the same day.
0: Yep. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Um, In terms of the game, we've joked on this show uh, every week that we might as well have a Levante and Mike Evans segment every week. Well, unfortunately, we're not gonna be able to have a Levante one since he had to miss the game. Uh, We do still have Mike Evans one because again, every week he's just given us stats. He's given us things (laughs) to talk about and has given us just um, reminders of what a all time great Player he is. Yeah, he
1: scored two touchdowns to get to 90. He's just the 15th player in the history of the NFL to have 90 or more touchdown catches. Uh, he has more two-touchdown games than everybody except Devante Adams among active players. Uh, and if you look at that, that uh, one-yard touchdown pass, he just scored an interesting note about that play. Uh, if you look at it, see how wide open he is? Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> They're the closest defender to him, according to NFL Next Gen stats, and, and here we'll see Next Gen sort of showing you with the dots, uh, the closest defender to him when he caught the ball was 17.1 yards away. And you can see why, because two defenders jumped on Payne Durham, running that very shallow slant, and Mike, who kind of faked in for a second and then went out, was just wide open. Weirdly, they've been tracking these things since 2016. That's the most – Separation, so the most open that a player catching a pass in the end zone has ever been. 17.1 yards since they've been tracking in 2000. That's
0: crazy. And of all people, I don't feel like Mike is ever that open because teams focus on him so much. And frankly, he doesn't even need to be that open because we know that he can make all those contested catches. I'm sure to him it was probably like, what is happening right (laughs) now? I am too open.
1: You wonder when you're too open. Oh,
0: my God. I remember feeling that way in basketball. I hated being that open (laughs) for a shot. You're like, no, 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 no. Someone come guard me closer, please. Here's what I was
1: talking about before 19, two touchdown games. Or three, multiple touchdown games, but in this case, two. Only Devontae Adams has more.
0: Again, what a list.
1: Yeah, look at those names.
0: And he is at number two, which is incredible. Um, so that obviously was not one of the failed red zone no. attempts. Uh, that one went pretty dang well, but uh, there were a few others that ended up making a pretty big difference in the game. What does it seem to be in terms of the red zone? What are some of the things maybe they're, they're focusing on, or what do we think is leading to some of these being three instead of seven? Yeah. Or,
1: well, sometimes it's penalties in this la- that happened in this last game. He, that game started so well, Couldn- couldn't start better. Had the ball first, drove right down the field with no problem, got the first goal at the one. You usually score a touchdown when you're first and goal at the one. Unfortunately, they tried the Baker Mayfield sneak. It didn't work, and he injured his ankle, so he came out of the game for a couple plays. And then, critically, there was a false start penalty. So now, instead of being able to just bash it in from the one, because the Bucs have been, actually been pretty good on goal to go this year, especially that close. They've been able to get the ball in, often sometimes with Rashad White, but now you're at second and six. You run Rashad White, now he gets three yards. That would have been great from the one-yard line, but it wasn't so helpful from the uh, six and then an incomplete pass on third down. Uh, and then another time there was a sack, so protection issues and you know, ill-timed penalties. And, and that's what I was saying before. Other things get fixed, and then something else crops up. And so from that point on, you, you go all the way down the field. You get first and goal in one on your first drive. That seems like a great situation. Then you have to settle for three, and then they score the next 17 points, and the momentum has swung a lot. Yeah. Now, after that, the Bucks did rally mm-hmm. and had Which a chance. they've been
0: great at this year. They
1: have. They fought to the end yeah. every time.
0: And I know we talked about how there were definitely plenty of things that we know the team didn't do the way they wanted to, things that didn't go the Bucks' way. And as you talked about though there's also each week something that is really encouraging that happens mm-hmm. on the other side of the coin and this week that was Rashad White yeah. in the run game in, in the general run game, yeah. because it's been Rashad White in the receiving exactly. game it's been him in the screen game this game it was like this was Rashad White the running back getting 100 yards rushing on the dot, on the dot 100 yards rushing what did you see in terms of and also his his career long run that
1: we're watching right now yeah, yeah
0: and so I feel like that was just such a great game it was you know the best rushing game he's had since well, look Germany last you know yeah. last time so
1: look at the the hole in that play I mean he they gave him some yeah. seams to run some lanes to run and he hit him hard and we had five explosive runs in that game which is runs of more than 10 yards and we that's the most we've had in any game so he, yes he had the 38 one but he also had like a 14 and an 11 Chase Edmonds had an 11 Baker Mayfield had a 14 yard scramble that was pretty entertaining where he kind of ran over the guy at the end but as you can see he's just on that one he bounced it around the end and I got to believe there was some kind of um, uh, issue with the Colts defense on that one because it shouldn't have been that wide open around the end but it, it, he recognized the way to go yep. you know that's part Great of the key Great block by right? Steny on that one yeah. too. So uh, the run blocking was good the lanes were good he hit them well he recognized when he should bounce that one to the outside it was just how the run game is supposed to work and that's encouraging going forward.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great sign. And another encouraging thing is, man, we got some talent that is young in terms of pass rush. Yeah. Kalijah Kansi, mm-hmm. Yaya Diaby are putting up some incredible numbers for how, especially how many games, how many snaps they've had. You know, Yaya was coming off the bench, Kalijah was hurt a lot. And they're games, still yeah. leading rookies in a lot of these sack yeah. tackle for loss, QB pressure type stats. Um, it's just, it, to me, this is such an encouraging thing, thinking about the future of this Bucks' pass right. Yeah,
1: especially because it's both of them. I mean, I guess you sort of expected a 19th overall pick to have an instant impact, but finding impact edge rushers in the third round is not common. Now there's Kalijah getting his sack. Uh, Yaya didn't have a sack in this game, but he has been making impact plays. One or the other, and sometimes both of them, make very noticeable impact plays every game now and and one one thing to note is that yaya actually started this game um and on the new depth chart this week he's been he's listed as a starter ahead of joe tryon now here's what you were talking about the um tackles for loss you know that includes sacks but it's not all sacks and uh is just tied for first even though he missed basically four games and yaya is tied for third and they're making a lot of plays in the opposing backfield but as i was saying before uh yaya actually started but it was a three outside linebacker formation, which was unusual. And uh, Logan Hall wasn't in the game, but Joe Tryon, Shaq Barrett, and Yaya were all in on the first play in the first couple plays, and uh, so that was kind of a new wrinkle that we saw. <coughs> and uh, you know, Lavante David wasn't in the game, so mm-hmm. they actually started with just one off-ball linebacker and an extra defensive back. It was kind of an interesting Yeah, interesting setup. package. So um, I think that was all part of like, how do we deal with the guys that were missing and, and doing some interesting new things? Um, but in terms of going forward on the depth chart. It now says Shaq and Yaya are the starters.
0: That's going to be interesting to watch for sure. And part of this, you know, the Bucks' recent success on third down is thanks to the guys like that making some yeah. big plays when it's a more obvious pass rush down and we saw earlier in the season that was a stat that was killing the Bucks in some yeah. games was Oof. the conversion rate on third down and especially also third and long was just so out of character for this defense and then now it feels like that's another area to your point that has been improving exactly. and cleaned up a little yeah. bit
1: yeah if you look at this I mean after seven games and, and we noted this all the time because it was just glaring that the Bucks. Third down defense, and we don't. Have, I don't have the numbers for third and long here, but I think anecdotally we can recall yeah. that we were getting up lots of third and long mm-hmm. conversions, and in the last four games there really haven't been any. Uh, and in terms of overall third downs, thirty-one point nine percent over the last four games. That's the sixth best in the league. So that's a huge fix yep. from one of the main things that was hurting the Buccaneers, and and that. Goes into so many things because you're talking about extending drives, you're talking about time of possession, you're talking about not getting off the field, not getting the ball back to your offense. All kinds of things come out of wh- how well you were doing on third down. So the fact that doing so much better defensively on third down is encouraging. Let's just put it all together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, now we're going to look ahead to this game against the Panthers, and I feel a little deja vu here as I say the Panthers. <laughs> just fired their head coach the Bucks will be facing an interim because this was exactly the situation that we were in last year now last year I think we were the second game after yeah. this year we will be the first game yeah. after they have fired their head coach um, of course I think that's always an interesting wrinkle it throws in that we've seen there's a lot of times that teams you know for whatever reason a head coach gets fired and that team maybe. That next week has a little extra oomph for something they're we galvanized. Saw, yeah, with the you know, the Raiders this year, some other teams. Um, and also it throws a wrinkle into you don't know what changes are gonna be made. They're probably not gonna throw out the whole playbook, but you never know, you know, now you've been scouting a team led by this guy, now they're led by somebody else. It's an interesting wrinkle, particularly late in the season.
1: Yeah, there's there's kind of one thing that's sort of Concrete, and one that's not so much, and that latter one is what you were talking about, that new coach bounce like the Raiders got when they fired Josh McDaniels and won their next two games. Uh, you do sort of see that from time to time. This, they make a coaching change, and at least in the short term, um, it maybe galvanizes the yeah. game or brings them together or, or gives them something to fight for. Uh, it, like I said, that's not real concrete. What is concrete is now there's gonna be a new play caller because Frank Reich had been calling the plays and then about five weeks ago he turned it over to thomas brown their first year offensive coordinator who came from the rams but after three games frank Reich took it back so as, until he was dismissed he was the play caller but now thomas brown is going to go back to calling the plays because the interim head coach is their special teams coordinator which uh, ronnie barber made a good point to me yesterday is like other than the head coach the one guy who deals with everybody on the team is the special teams coordinator. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to make him the interim coordinator, and then you still have your two uh, offensive and defensive coordinators, and Thomas Brown now will be calling the play. So what that means to what they do is hard to say, but it is a concrete change in what the Bucks would be seeing this week.
0: All right, and then now also looking at <clears throat> the knowing that they are the People that had the first overall pick Bryce Young uh, quarterback what are we going to be seeing first time getting a look at this new rookie?
1: Well Bryce Young has had the ups and downs that you would expect from a, from a rookie quarterback. Um, you know we see CJ Stroud doing amazing and we saw it firsthand in Houston and you 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 know you're tempted to compare them but the fact is Stroud is the exception right They don't usually just fall into the league totally top 10 quarterback you know they they have their they take their lumps and they have their ups and downs and that's certainly been the case for Bryce Young he's got nine touchdowns to eight interceptions Uh, neither number is particularly remarkable but you want a better ratio than that and I I think they're only averaging he's only averaging 5.4 yards per attempt which is pretty low so they're not really getting the ball downfield much and uh, Adam Thielen is their leading receiver he's got 77 catches which is a lot but he's only averaging a career low 9.5 per catch so again they're not getting the ball down the field it's more of a possession type thing and then the next leading pass catcher only has 28 receptions mm-hmm. so they don't they haven't necessarily found or developed a, a second guy like a Chris Godwin so um, you know, it's it's been a bit of a struggle for them offensively, to be honest.
0: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting matchup. But match he's
1: up. a very talented player. Yes. So you, you never know what to expect.
0: Yeah, and I mean, of course, you never want to take a team or their record lightly or knowing they have a rookie quarterback, all those things. That Thankfully, I don't think the Bucks are in a position no. to do that because they now know what yeah. these what these division <laughs> games mean. So I don't think that you're worried at all about them taking a 1-in-10 team lightly knowing yeah, that, well, man, we need this.
1: Coach Bowles was like, when this kind of topic was thrown at him on Monday, he's like, none of that matters to us we have to fix us Mm -hmm. and they could be 12 and 0 or it wouldn't make a difference so the bucks are definitely not looking at this as an easy win
0: yep yeah it's gonna be interesting also this game is going to be the my cause my cleats game always one of my favorites every year so i encourage everyone to make sure they're going to buccaneers.com to learn about all the different causes that everyone will be supporting on their cleats and shameless plug it's not out yet we're going to have a video that i did with Dee Delaney and Devin Tompkins. They both have a kid who has Down syndrome. We took them to a place called Gigi's Playhouse. They're both doing that on their cleats. So whenever that video comes out, highly recommend. Very, very sweet and endearing. And they just both are such great guys. And um, also want to remind everybody, Pro Bowl voting is open. So make sure you go find that to vote all of your top Buccaneers in. There's four suggestions for you. (laughs) There's some suggestions right there. (laughs) There's just a few suggestions for you. I would definitely
1: vote for all of them.
0: Yep, so make sure you go do that. See as many of them, even though it's not the same way that the Pro Bowl has been in the past, it's still going to be a fun thing to watch your guys participate in. So make sure you go send those votes in right now. That's going to do it for us on Bucks Insider. We'll see you next time.